Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Okay, clogged pores. I've had it. You think I don't notice your pesky blackheads? It's all I see. Why else would I be dodging photos, yelling back up, zoom out, not so close? But now, I've got Biore Deep Cleansing Charcoal Pore Strips. With natural charcoal, they pluck out stubborn dirt, oil, and even blackheads in just one strip. So go ahead, snap away. With Biore, I've finally found the skin of my dreams. Biore, free your pores. Everybody to the Lou Trade Legacy Podcast, where we, as usual, will try and find 50 different ways to trade Lou Williams. But hey, it might actually happen. Isn't that right, Tommy? That's right. I think it's actually, I, I would at this point put money that it's going to happen. Yeah, me too. With that said, today's show is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading audio provider on the internet for downloadable audiobooks. If you use the URL audibletrial.com slash almighty, you can get a free 30-day trial and also a free download upon using that trial code. Please also follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is how many random trade rumors you will hear this All-Star Weekend surrounding Lou Williams, Tarek Black, and... uh, whoever else you want to throw in there. So there you go. So rate interview us on iTunes. Speaking of which, if you haven't listened to our last episode with Jordan Clarkson's skills coach, Drew Hamlin, please go check it out. It's an evergreen episode. You can listen to it anytime. Really insightful stuff. Tommy, what did you think about that episode with Drew? Uh, I was really good. I mean, um, he's like the first, I mean, we've had a lot of cool guests on the show, obviously, but He's like, as far as I can recall, like the first with an actual like he's in the business, you know what I mean? So he uh, to get to get a guy who's that has that close of a contact with all these NBA players and get to ask him all those like questions. And then his responses, I thought, were extremely candid. They didn't really seem like, you know, tailored for being on our random podcast. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I hate podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. Uh, But Drew Hanlon not only coaches Jordan Clarkson in the offseason, he also coaches, obviously, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, and, of course, Joel Embiid. So definitely check that podcast out. He says a lot of really cool stuff that you wouldn't normally hear if you weren't in the business like he is pretty much just working with these guys on a one-on-one basis. Uh, So yeah, today's episode, we are pretty much, there's a lot of news around Lakers land. And as we head into All-Star Weekend this weekend, thank God, right? Uh, Thank God we we get a break from these Lakers games. I don't even know if you want to touch any of the games. I have nothing to say. Mm, Not really. (laughs) Perfect. So yeah, 
Today on this podcast, we're going to kind of just go over all the biggest news in Lakers land because there's actually a lot. And obviously, because the trade deadline is just a week away, we're going to try and figure out what's going to happen, try and make some conjectures and try and anticipate what could happen. But obviously, right now, there's so much going on. We'll try and just dive right into it. So first things first, Tommy, there have been no these are not rumors these are actual reports that the lakers have met with larry sanders i believe they've actually worked him out as well uh larry sanders of course is used to play for the milwaukee bucks at the time he had a 10 million dollar per year contract with them and then he decided he wanted to be hipster and artistic and didn't like basketball that much so he quit he quit but i guess now he wants to make his way back to the NBA. Apparently, he goes to the Lakers games a lot. I think he has season tickets to the Lakers games, which he is... He said he has season tickets, yeah. Really, really random. But hey, he wants to make his way back to the NBA, and the Lakers are one of the teams that he's contacted and met with. He's 28 right now. What do you think about this Larry Sanders thing? Does it indicate anything for the Lakers, and would you welcome it at this point, or is it just completely random? So I would definitely welcome it. Um, the only thing I could imagine that it in any way signals is that they are at least talking with some teams about one of our centers. And I'm assuming it's not Zubats because relative to how much that guy's getting paid, it's, you're not going to get anything that's worth it back um, at this stage, just because we don't know, like Zubats is so raw, right? But in terms of Tarek or Mozgov, I, I look, I don't think we're going to wave Meta or Thomas Robinson or Huertas and then pick up a fourth center. You know, I just I don't see that happening. I think any team picking up Larry is going to play him this year. And that's why he wants to come back to at this point in the season. And he's not just talking to us. He's talked to a lot of teams. I think I saw some article about how even the Cavs are like interested Um, because this is the part of the point in the season where teams are just looking to stock up. And I think he would favor going to a team like, for example, the Lakers, who could give him at least a loose promise that like you're going to play not like a playoff team that's already established and there's no guarantee that you're going to play. Right. So I would definitely welcome it just because I, I think there's very minimal downside. Like I know he's kind of a head case, but I don't know, maybe he got his act together. Um, It seems like he's in LA already low risk, high reward potentially. But the only thing is it makes, again, it makes no sense to carry four centers on the roster. Like, we need to find minutes for Zubats. We need to find minutes for Tarek. Mozgov already isn't playing. And Larry Sanders is strictly a center. He can't play any other position. So, like, the only... I think they met with him, and I think they're going to keep that in the back of their mind if they end up trading, uh, you know, either Tarek or Mozgov. I mean, most likely you would have to think they've at least spoken to a team about Tarek if this yeah. trade has gone... To, is it, If they've gone to the step of even meeting with Sanders, because... Mozgov, no one wants that guy. Um, like I said, I don't think they're going to trade Zubat. So it's pretty much Tarek. And I think they're just, you know, maybe they don't want to roll with just Zubats as like uh, a, the backup center option. And they figure, okay, why not? This is the lost season. If we trade Tarek, let's give Larry Sanders a chance. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Like you said, it's going to signal one of two things and probably in conjunction, right? If they do take on Larry Sanders, it probably means one, they have to get rid of a roster spot, probably T-Rob or Marcelo, whatever, one of those guys. And then on top of it, Meta, yeah, exactly, (laughs) Meta. And then on top of it, that probably means they're going to trade Tarek Black because he has the most value. And yeah, you can't have that many centers not doing anything really and promise Larry Sanders some time. Um, Do you know what Larry Sanders wingspan is, by the way? I don't. Why don't you take a wild guess? Because you love wingspans. I love wingspans. We all love wingspans. I, I, I do so. love wingspans. There's one thing I love. Um, <laughs> Buffalo wingspans. No, he's not seven feet tall, right? He's like 6'11". 6'11", yeah. Okay, 6'11". I know he blocked a lot of shots. 7'2". Um, 7'5". Wow. <laughs> what the heck, dude? That is a wingspan, my friend. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, no wonder he averaged three blocks for a game in 27 minutes per game in 2012-13. Yeah. So, th- so that was his best season. He averaged pretty much 10 points, 9.5 rebounds on 50% shooting, and pretty much led the league in blocks with 2.8 blocks per game. Uh, since then, he's only played 20 games the pre- 
preceding next two seasons and averaged 7-7 seven, seven and pretty much 1.7 blocks, 1.4 blocks. But at that point, it seemed like he was getting into lots of trouble, was being a head case and didn't want to play basketball. So hopefully yeah. he's serious about it this time around. So we will see. I, you know, you kind of hinted at it, but I read something too as well that Larry Sanders' agent said that they already have a soft offer or a soft commitment from a team. Do you in any way think that it could be the Lakers telling him, hey, we'll commit to you if we can find a trade for Tarek Black during All-Star Weekend or if we decide to cut one of our guys? You'll just have to wait till the trade deadline's over. I think it definitely could be the Lakers for a couple of reasons. First of all, the only reason I, the only other team I've seen linked in any way to Sanders is Cleveland. I don't know if you've seen any other teams. Um, and Cleveland is not going to add Larry Sanders until like the day before the deadline to like add players to your playoff roster, right? Which I think is March 1st. Or at least they're going to wait and see what happens before the trade deadline because they might not need Larry Sanders or have space for him. So yeah. I don't think it's Cleveland. Um, And I think it's like you said, the Lakers probably told him like, hey, this offer is actually like on the table subject to us trading Tarek Black. If we don't trade Tarek Black, you're not on the team. Mm -hmm. If we trade Tarek Black or by some miracle Mozgov, then you have a spot um, to play for to play for a spot next year. So so, uh, yeah, I think I think it very well could be the Lakers. Yep, so we will see on the Larry Sanders front. Uh, Segwaying really easily into trade talk, you know, just a week ago or maybe two weeks ago, we were talking about how we're so uh, distraught and mad at the front office because they probably will just sit on their hands again. Mitch Kupchak said as much, saying we're not willing to trade anybody, etc., etc. And just this past week, he decided to go to the media, which is rare for (laughs) Mitch, and he pretty much said, quote-unquote, We are active, yes. We're active every year. Quite frankly, compared to the last three or four years, though, we have a lot of talent on this roster that I think a lot of people have interest in, varying levels of interest. I would think there's more meaningful discussions this year than there have been in the last two or three years. So, Tommy, what do we make of these comments? I, for one, am very encouraged because it's unlike Mitch to be so candid about this kind of stuff, especially when they're involving the actual guys on this team. So what do you think about his comments and what do you think we can anticipate this All-Star weekend leading up into next week? So I think Mitch is like the king of underselling. Um, I think it's like totally in his nature to be like, yeah, we're not really talking to it. Because the thing is, if you if you follow the Lakers pretty closely, the last two years, he basically said we're not really looking. And now he's saying we, we were looking the last two years as well. We always look. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. if anything, he de- he definitely errs on the on the, uh, I guess, more conservative side of not really talking about this kind of stuff for him to say this year we have talent that other people are interested in leads me to believe that there's a great deal of interest in many players on the team. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know who, but it, I don't, when I read that quote today, I sort of almost thought like we've been talking about trading Lou for like the last two and a half months. I like we were probably at the forefront of that. Um, feels like two and a half years, but (laughs) I know like we, like everybody, we, we sort of knew that everybody would ultimately come to this like, uh, opinion, but we, I think we were, I, I'll give us a little bit of credit here. Yeah. I think we were at the forefront of that, but anyway, I think now it might be more than just Lou. I'm not saying they're going to like execute a trade for somebody else, but I think if something comes along that makes sense, I, you know, I, it's okay. Obviously anytime something comes along that makes sense, they do it. But I think this year in particular, given we now know who our coaches, we now know who our like youth are that we're going to like build around based on what we've seen. And like all these flashes that we always talk about. Um, <laughs> we know that like where our redundancies on the roster lie. Uh, we, we've seen guys emerge that maybe we didn't think would emerge. Tarek black barely played last year and he's looked great the last few weeks. Zubats. Everybody thought this guy was four years away. He's definitely not like, in my opinion, ready to play on a contender right now, but He's he's also not four years away. I think he's ready to contribute next year at at, at least the year after next. Um, yeah. So, you know, we have all these redundancies like what do we do? And I think like if a trade did come up for Mozgov or Tarek or, you know, one of our wings or, you know, Nick Young or Lou Williams, I think we would be much more into making a trade like that. Um, yeah. So I think it's pretty encouraging. Yeah, me too. And, you know, for the 
for people who may just be tuning into this podcast for the first time and don't know why we're so adamant about trading Lou, I thought it would be helpful to just go through just the top line points of why we need to trade Lou Will. And I use the word need very liberally. So first of all, I think it boils down to this, right? We only have him under contract for one more year after this year. His value is the highest it's ever going to be. If we wait till next year, no team is going to give us anything for an expiring Lou Williams right. who they will have to pay as early as summer 2018, probably 12 to $15 million because of the new CBA. Yep. And I think by 2018, he's going to be like 31 years old. And yep. you don't want to be committing that much money to a 31-year-old regardless 32 of... 32 years old, I think. 32, I, yeah, yeah. Regardless of how good he is and how long you, could, you feel he can extend his playing career, right? Especially for the Lakers, we already, what's it called, screwed the pooch with Mozgov and Deng. So right. why would you want to add Lou Will onto that? Right. And then lastly, it goes down to, if you listened, and you should, to our podcast with Drew Hanlon, he talked about Jordan Clarkson in a very objective manner, but he pretty much said, look, Jordan Clarkson definitely needs to improve his vision and his decision making but at the same time he's being juggled around with his minutes he doesn't have a consistent role he doesn't have consistent minutes regardless of whether he's coming off the bench it doesn't look like he knows what what he's gonna do night in night out pretty much he has to strike it hot off the bat and Lou Williams is the biggest deterrent to that not only for Jordan Clarkson but D'Angelo Russell as well just by having him in the lineup here and we'll get to the rotation stuff in a minute with Luke Walton but the biggest thing Lou does is one, if we trade him, we get some sort of asset back, whether that's a mid first round pick, a late first round pick, or a young upside player. But also it just frees up 20 to 25 more minutes for D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson to get some development in and play through their mistakes, where right now they have to play perfectly or so obviously to, in order to keep those minutes. Right. And right now Lou Williams just muddles up the rotation. So those are the main two points. Do you have any other points you wanted to add there? No, I think you pretty much summarized it. Yeah, so that's why we need to trade Lou Will. I guess my question to you is, okay, let's say that there are some people out there who are just like, but Lou Williams is so good and his play is going to extend for maybe three to five more years. Why can't we just keep him on the team till next year and then re-sign him in summer 2018, even if it's like a 10 to $12 million contract? Maybe he'll take a discount to stay in LA and sign for three more years, $30 million in 2018. What would you say to that? I would say it doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, what are you trying to do here? Our team is almost exclusively 19 to 24-year-olds, okay? Lou Williams is 30. He's going to be 31 by uh, opening tip next season, okay? He is having a career year right now, and he looks great, and he's proven all of us wrong, including you and I, and he's shown that he can you know, fit in this new modern up-tempo fast pace. And in in fact, he excels in it and he's much better than he ever was. (laughs) Okay. And like, if I'm a team looking at this, I'm even thinking this isn't even this fool's contract year and he's playing like this. But anyway, Lou Williams doesn't fit the timeline of the team. Theoretically, we have a guy who was our starter for basically, I mean, half of two seasons ago, all of last season, who suddenly got shifted to the bench, and I'm talking about Jordan Clarkson, because our coach came in with this vision, and you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but his idea was Jordan Clarkson's going to be our spark plug energy type, like he's going to bring Lamar Odom, like Manu Ginobili lever- level talent off of the bench for us. And that was like a bold statement, but the point is, he that's the direction that Luke saw the team going. As long as Lou Williams is on this team, none of these young guys are going to get a chance to fill into those roles. You think Jordan Clarkson is going to become the Manu Ginobili, you know, Lamar Odom type player if Lou Williams is playing 24 minutes a game and scoring 19 points a game? And that's nothing against Lou. It's not like he's firing up 100 shots a game. He's just really good this year. You know, so my point is, it's like if it if it doesn't fit with what the vision of the future is, I just don't understand why we want to keep Lou Will like he's a six one shooting guard. There are plenty of teams that need him and he doesn't really fit a need for us because our rebuild is not completely built around two young scoring guards. But it's like arguably two thirds built around two young scoring guards at this point. So we need to let those two young scoring guards like grow a little bit. No, I totally agree. And the other thing is the Lakers have cap space that they need to spend this, this summer. Right. And if they keep Lou Williams around, 
you know, let's say we do sign a big free agent or we just fill up our cap space. Are they going to want to really go over the cap next year when Lou Williams is a free agent and pay that much luxury tax to keep a 31-year-old Lou Will at $15 million? Like, they wouldn't. That just doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't make basketball sense as well. So people need to keep that in mind. There's a cap that the Lakers are working with. And let's say they do the punt play, right? And they they shift it to 2018. You're telling me they're going to reserve... $15 $15 million for Lou Will of their cap space, like that's not going to happen at all. You it's know? not going to happen. And it's like you said, it's, it, it just doesn't make any sense from multiple levels. And to the people saying like, oh yeah, okay, well, even if you're going to disagree with what we're saying right now and say like, okay, well, yeah, but maybe the Lakers would do it. And like, he's shown a lot of value and maybe they would go up to 15. When Lou Williams is 35 years old and this team is finally good, He's not going to be as good as he is right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when even when he's 34, he's literally in the prime of his career right now. He's 30 years old. You know, he's a small guard. I will give the benefit of the doubt that like because he's so small and the because of the style he plays, maybe he will last longer than like the typical like maybe he'll be pretty solid when he's 34 still. But we're not going to be like competing for a championship in the next four years. You know what I mean? Like, God knows if we can make the playoffs in the next two or three years. So, like, by the time we get to that level, Lou Williams is going to be so old that none of this matters. And his skills are redundant with the guy that we just signed to a four-year, $48 million contract who we're basically trying to build into the same role. Yeah, you're right. We're trying to make Jordan Clarkson the sixth man, but he's not even getting sixth man type consistent minutes. So what do we expect out of him? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the the number one thing for me still goes back to this guy could walk, could leave us with nothing. And right now you have a chance to actually extract value for him. And so I guess we could go into what do you think his value is now at this point? We've gone through many different iterations of this in terms of recalibrating our expectations for him, but it might actually seem like there's a market for him. And, you know, we've gone from high upside guys like maybe we can get Willie Colley Stein to we took it back a, a lot and we're like okay maybe we can just settle for a late first rounder even a second rounder and just some random young dude so I guess now do you have any trade possibilities that are brewing in your mind or wh- where are you at in terms of Lou Willie's Will's trade value I guess yeah I mean like you said it's sort of been an emotional roller coaster going through this Lou Williams uh debacle but I think that his value is probably somewhere in between what we said on the first time where like Willie Colley Stein, like that caliber, I think it's somewhere in between that and what we said last time, which is, can we just get like Bryce Johnson in a second round? Pick? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's not quite that low, but it's not quite Willie Colley Stein level high, sure. I think, but together we can make your blonde blonde sheer blonde go blonder collection by John Frieda lightens and brightens hair to full shades to give you your best blonde every day. Hair Talks. Make your statement with Sheer Blonde Blonder Collection, only from John Frieda. I think, yeah, I think Lou Williams, one thing that I've sort of thought about in recent recent days, I guess, is I think we've sort of been approaching this from the angle of, okay, the Lakers are sort of still, I mean, they are still in their rebuild. And when you're rebuilding, you have to accumulate as many assets as you can. So let's get like uh, an expiring contract to free up some cap space and let's get you know, a first round pick doesn't matter if it's 25 or whatever. And I still like if that happened, I would be totally fine with it. But I've sort of shifted my perspective and just trying to think of the Lakers and like where they view this team and like comments Mitch has made in the past couple of years. And I sort of think that maybe the goal isn't to trade Lou for a pick, but maybe it's to trade Lou for like a guy who's in a second to fourth year um, on a team where he's not really getting minutes and that team is trying to win now. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, we could think of several examples of this, but I just think that like one thing that actually I've been thinking about a lot today, um, after watching the last couple OKC games, I think Oklahoma city is having just like a phenomenal year. I did not think they were going to be this good. I know they're a seven seed, they basically just have Russell Westbrook. Like Victor Oladipo has not been a very reliable second option for them. And after that, it's like Cantor and Steven Adams who are getting a hundred percent of their offense off of Russell Westbrook, basically. And so 
despite all of that, Oklahoma City is only three games out of the fifth fifth spot, and they're only three and a half games out of the fourth spot. We're talking about this team is three and a half games out of home court advantage, and the team they're trying to catch is an injured Clippers team. So if I'm Oklahoma City, this is just an example of the types of things I've been thinking of. If I'm Oklahoma City, I'm thinking like, okay, we have a horrendous bench. We shoot 32% from three as a team. We need to address those types of things. And, you know, we have Nick Young. We have Lou Williams. Oklahoma City is actually under the cap. So like by seven, almost eight million. So they can absorb a lot of extra salary. And they have guys like Cameron Payne, who two years ago, we worked out this guy for the number two overall pick along with D'Angelo Russell. He was ultimately taken number 14, but like he's not going to get any minutes on this team with Westbrook and Oladipo. And this team is trying to win now in a way. I mean, not in a way they are trying to win now to appease Westbrook, who just resigned this past summer. So I think those are the types of players that we can maybe see the Lakers targeting, like somebody like Cameron Payne. Maybe he's too recently removed from the draft, but those types of guys for teams that are maybe on the cusp of getting to like that uh, goal, whatever their seed goal is, or making the playoffs, or like in the case of the Wizards, who we bring up all the time, like actually competing uh, for the Eastern Conference Championship if they can boost their bench up a little bit. Well, so. let's go right there to the Wizards because you know the there was a shakeup in the East this past week oh, with right. that yeah. with that big trade with Toronto and Orlando, with Orlando sending Toronto Serge Ibaka for Toronto's first round pick right. by way of the Clippers, which is right now you know a mid. 20s pick at number right now it's at number 25 right. so the washington wizards need to step things up because toronto the toronto raptors figured oh man we gotta we gotta step up we have a short window here to continue to compete with demar Derozan and kyle lowry right um so let's do this trade and you know the washington's having like a career season with all their guys they're clicking and everything but now that toronto's made the first move obviously you'd think washington has to step up too especially with the way that boston and isaiah thomas has been playing as well you know this is I mean, there's a lot of good teams at the top for the East, but it's also kind of wide open as well. So if Washington could just make one last move to solidify their spot, they could easily easily be right in the mix there as like the second best team in the East, right? Right, right. So like, we've talked about this before, but what do you think about Washington trading for Lou Williams? I mean, Bill Simmons actually tweeted out, I think today, please don't send Lou Williams to the Washington Wizards. Yeah. Send him anywhere else, you know? So it's clear that, like, everybody knows that a guy like Lou could be so valuable to the Washington Wizards because he not only can give you 18 points in 18 minutes, but he's an actual veteran who has gone through playoff runs before with the Raptors, you know? He's invaluable to a right. team like that who, you know, it's been maybe two years or so since they've been to the playoffs, I think, or at least one year, and they still have a young team. They need that sort of veteran presence to really put them over the top. So what do you think about Lou going to Washington, and I guess what would you want from them outside of obviously that their their first-round pick, which right now would be number 24, but you'd imagine if Lou Williams is on their team, that would drop to maybe 25 or 26. Yeah, Washington, I think from all angles— Makes by far the most sense uh, for a Lou, a Lou Williams trade. They are a team that is very, very solid. I don't know if anybody remembers, like, the first two weeks of the season, they were, like, last place or something. Yeah. Like, the Brooklyn Nets were ahead of them. It was, and it was, like, a while, you know what I mean? And they've just been on such a tear. And, like, when we saw them um, play us uh, just a couple weeks ago, I think it was, this team plays really well. You know what I mean? It's not – this is not, like, a fluke. Like, if you watch them play, they – hound you defensively on every possession they are getting after it and they are running and gunning and that's exactly what they should have been doing this entire time with john wall and brad beal so props to scott brooks uh scott glasses brooks um <laughs> i used to give that guy a lot of crap but he's actually i think helping a lot i mean he's replacing randy whitman so i think the bar was pretty low but sure. he's doing a great job but anyway washington's one major weakness is their bench. Their bench is horrendous. Their their highest bench scorer is Marcus Thornton, and he is averaging 6.6 points and shooting 40% from the field. So, like, they are not getting, like, barely anything anything from their bench. And Marcus Thornton's only appeared in 33 games this year. If you, Like, their most consistent bench player is Kelly Oubre, who's a second-year player and is averaging 6.3 points on 42% shooting. Point being, they need a lot of help, and they need to start to... Think about like as they make their push, okay, 
how can we take a little bit of the load off Brad Beal? How can we take a little bit of the load off John Wall? You do that by finding a backcourt a guard who can come off the bench and drop 18 points a game in 20 minutes. You know what I mean? And that's in Lou Williams makes so much sense. He's totally ready to go there. I mean, he would just plug right in. <clears throat> so in terms of what kinds of guys I would look for, I think we, when we talked about this before, we talked about the pick and we talked about Trey Burke. And I still think that makes the most sense. Um, Trey Burke is like, it's weird because they don't really have the right contracts to match up. So we would basically have to take Trey Burke and like two of their random bottom of the bench guys um, to match salary. Uh, and then just wave those guys, I guess. Then it becomes a little tricky because it's like, okay, now we have to wave two players to consummate this trade. But I don't know how it's going to work out. And I think I kind of leave that up to Washington, actually. I mean, <clears throat> maybe they just end up dumping one of those guys on the third team and sending out a second round pick as well. But I think ultimately they, some form of us getting back a pick and potentially Trey Burke. Uh, or, you know, potentially another young asset from a third team. I just think Washington makes like so much sense on so many levels. Yeah, agree. You know, they have Andrew Nicholson, who's who signed to a four year, twenty six million dollar contract. So it may it might be as simple as Andrew Nicholson and there's their first round pick for Lou Williams. And Andrew Nicholson is a six nine stretch four who's not really getting any time at all. So if we're willing to eat that contract to have a sort of stretch four off the bench, even though we have a ton of fours for that first round pick, then I think that could work out. But you're right. You know, maybe Trey Burke and some other bottom barrel dudes will will work out better. But if we want to make yeah. it clean, clean and easy, Andrew Nicholson has the contract. And He has the contract. I just think that, like, again, the tricky thing with these Lou trades is, like, it's not necessarily about getting better talent-wise, like we always say, but or at least immediate talent-wise. But you're also not going to cripple yourself with a salary like Andrew Nicholson's remaining salary. Like, he, there's no space for a guy like that on this team. Um mm-hmm. And he's not shown anything in the NBA, to be honest. So it's like you're not going to just cripple your your uh, salary situation moving forward. And I know it's only six point six million or whatever, but it's it's not worth paying that much just to get a number twenty five, twenty six pick. Um, sure. There are teams out there who can offer us a pick. We'll figure out a way to get a pick, even if it has to be like a twenty eighteen pick. And you know. We'll we'll make something work here, but I I, I do think that um, yeah Washington Lou I just if I had to put money on it actually right now I would say that that's where he ends up. Yep, agree. So I hope everybody poured one out for the free throw line renegade Lou Williams last night because this could be that Phoenix Suns game could have been no it will be. Yeah, I will go as far as to say will be no jinxes here. His last game as a Los Angeles Lakers. So, you know, Lou's been great. We love him. He's yeah. been far more than we had anticipated in terms of being a good teammate. You know, great on-the-court player for the first 20 games or so, helping the guys learn what it what it feels like to be in competitive games and winning games. He's been great. But at this point, his value has just expired for this team. And it's time to move on and do what we do something that we haven't done enough in the past years and that's get ahead of the curve really yeah cut our losses early right we have the chance now let's not sit on our hands and it and thankfully it sounds like mitch has gotten the memo he's been listening to a ton of lakers legacy podcasts and he's (laughs) like yes i believe i don't know how to do a mitch thing (laughs) we don't have alan today sorry today there you go speaking of which this will now bleed just naturally into the rotations and once again you know this is why we need lou off of this team. So Luke doesn't have such a hard time messing around with this these rotations, even though, you know, it was just a week ago that we decided, oh, hashtag flash the progress all the way. We're just going to go with all the young guys. Mozgov's not going to get any minutes. Dang's coming off the bench. Well, guess what? Not much has changed really because Lou Williams is good and he's on this team and it makes Luke's job harder. So I guess my question to you is, a lot of fans yesterday, and I guess the last few games have been like, Man, Luke's rotations suck. We need to start roasting this guy. You know, D'Angelo needs more fourth quarter minutes. What is he doing? So I guess where are you on the spectrum regarding how much do we roast Luke Walton? Obviously, he deserves some blame, but what's the extent of that? Okay, so who are okay? How how are we allocating the blame? Like, are we doing it Luke versus the front office, or like, what are we? How how do you want me to go about this? Sure. Why don't you just do Luke versus the front office? I'll say like. If I'm thinking about this in terms of, yeah, how much blame would I give Luke? Like you said, it's a tough question because 
based on the culture that Luke has been preaching since before he ever coached a game for us, we're trying to build a winning culture here. And we're trying to build a culture that rewards players who are playing well. Lou Williams is having the season of his career. This isn't a Byron Scott situation where Lou is giving you like two out of every five games. He's having, he's playing extremely well. So you just play him 35 minutes a night for two weeks. He's playing Lou within his role. He's playing him probably up to the maximum of that role because he's playing so well. But in terms of allocating blame to Luke, I'd say like 25%. I put much more of the onus on the front office because they are see they have eyes, you know what I mean? They're they're watching what's happening and Luke is in a bind. It's like you said, his hands are kind of tied. What's he supposed mm-hmm. to do? Like what kind of message does that send to his team if I'm going to bench my my guy who's been playing 23 minutes a game and scoring 22 <laughs> points a game in the last five games. You know what I mean? Or over the course of a season, even it's arguably even more ridiculous, 24 minutes a game, 19 points a game almost. So it's like, you can't bench that guy for no reason. It's not a Mozgov or Dang situation where arguably Brandon Ingram was just playing better than Dang and arguably Tarek Black was just playing better than Mozgov, at least defensively. So, you, there's no justification like that. It's a benching just to, for the sake of benching. And that's not the kind of message you want to send to these guys. So I, I just, I'm not really sure what Lou can do. And I'm just, I know you said Lou is definitely going to be traded. I'm still like just holding out <laughs> hope that he is traded. So Luke uh, doesn't have to deal with this anymore. No, agree. What this has caused Luke to do is make some comments in the media that don't necessarily even make any sense. And I don't think he wants to make those comments. Like when he was asked, how come D'Angelo Russell didn't get fourth quarter minutes? He said something like, because D'Angelo knows what it feels like to play fourth quarter minutes and Jordan Clarkson doesn't and he needs more time and Brandon Ingram needs time because he needs to develop. So I decided to play them. And it's like, what? That sucks. You know, like, <laughs> like, but also, like yeah, also, completely yeah. also ignoring that Jordan Clarkson was a starter the entire year last year and also started half the year, basically the year before that. Exactly, but you see the bind he's in because he's not going to touch Lou Williams, who was hot every time he starts the fourth quarter. Right. And so you're not just going to bench him for no reason. And like you said, this guy's only playing 23 minutes. It's not even like, based off of his production, he actually should be averaging around 28 minutes. The fact that he's only playing 24 minutes is incredible, which means Luke Walton has actually kept things in check in that respect. Right. But you see just what 24 minutes does to our guard rotation if you take that away from D'Angelo and Clarkson and that's not even factoring in the fact that Lou Will always has the ball in his hands and if he's playing alongside Jordan Clarkson Clarkson's like I barely have the ball in my hands so then when you see me get the ball and I start dribbling like an idiot like who are you why are you gonna blame me you know what I mean I know a lot of people are like oh Jordan Clarkson doesn't deserve those minutes D'Angelo doesn't deserve those minutes and I'm like these guys are 24 and 20 years old, respectively. Like, they need minutes to allow yeah. themselves to play through these mistakes. Lou Williams has played through tons of mistakes yeah. his entire career. That's why like he deserves like an 11-year veteran. Yeah. Exactly. So for the people that are like, well, they need to show that they earn it, that pretty much means that they have to go out and score 10 points and 5 assists in their first 8 minutes of the game, every game to deserve those minutes, right? And those are just unrealistic expectations to expect out of these guys who are second, third-year players in the NBA. And so this is why, once again, the front office needs to do something, um, take the keys out of Luke, or make Luke's job easier for him and trade Luke Will away. And that only not only makes the job easier for Luke on the today, this year, on court, but it's also going to help for the future based off of whatever asset we get as well. So... Like you said, um, I can't really fault Luke. Are there some things that he could do better? Yes, mainly stop giving Luau Dang 23 minutes, 23, 25 minutes. I think that's unnecessary, whatever. He doesn't deserve those minutes, just like Mozgov. It deserves to be DNP'd. Less than Swaggy P's minutes. You know, he's the same thing as Lou Will. He's part of the guard rotation. He muddles things up as well. Make sure that he's only getting 20, 25 minutes as well. So yeah, he can definitely do stuff like that. But right now, he's just in a bind, like you said, because Lou Williams is good. And there's nothing he can do about it. He's already doing all he can in terms of giving Lou Williams 24 minutes. So until changes are made personnel-wise, this is kind of how it's going to be. And I hope people just 
contextualize the struggles of Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell getting these inconsistent minutes. Have they played well recently? No, they've sucked. They look terrible. Jordan Clarkson doesn't look like he knows how to dribble a basketball. I need need to talk to Drew Hamlin (laughs) about that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I can understand where he's coming from because he's like, when I was the most effective was when I had the ball in my hands and I was allowed some creativity and freedom to find my way. And you saw that his rookie year, right? Even last year. And if you look at Jordan Clarkson's production this year he's averaging five minutes less than last year and pretty much putting up the same numbers on a higher shooting percentage are his advanced statistics worse yes because he's just bumbling around there and like fumbling his way into the same production you know what i mean again lou williams has to go and once that happens then we can more properly assess what we have here i know you've been hearing rumors about just lakers fans going crazy about wanting to trade jordan clarkson first over lou williams can you tell me what the rationale is behind that and if if you agree with that so i think the rationale is like basically what you were talking about just now it's like people aren't happy with jordan clarkson's decision making fair okay but ignoring a lot of context and I think people are still look, I think Jordan Clarkson, besides his offense uh, efficiency that you mentioned, I think he is playing defense better this year. Yeah, Um, I'm not going to say he's like an elite defender on the perimeter, but he's fairly significantly better than he was his first two years in the NBA. And we're talking about a one year of improvement. This guy's 24 years old. This is only his third year, you know. The growth comes fairly exponentially, as we've seen. How many guys do we see who it's like their first three or four years, you're like, okay, that guy's like pretty good. And then all of a sudden they just explode. You know what I mean? It's like we like DeMar DeRozan, a guy that we all wanted to know. Not all of us, Jonathan, but <laughs> a guy that several of us wanted to pursue last year. Um, you look at his career trajectory, like he was a lottery pick and people were like, okay, this guy's going to be pretty good. And he came out and was pretty good. And it wasn't until like this year slash last year that he really like exploded and became like, oh, wow, this guy's actually like, he's not just pretty good. He's like a top five scorer in the NBA. Um, So again, extreme examples here, but I'm just, I'm saying that like, I think people are overreacting a little bit about the Jordan Clarkson stuff. And I think because of that, they're like, let's just get him out of here. Um, And I just don't really see that. Again, my point of trading Lou Williams is I want to develop Jordan Clarkson. If he's supposed to be our sixth man of the future playing 30 minutes a game, like, you know, most six men of the year candidates play, he needs to start, you know, getting those developmental minutes now. And that's the whole point of trading Lou. We're we're not going to trade Lou and then keep, I mean, sorry, trade Lou and also trade Jordan. You know, unless some crazy trade comes along, but that's most likely not going to happen. Or we're not going to trade Jordan and lose still there on the team as our sixth man of the future. Because of all that (laughs) stuff we said earlier, you know what I mean? So it it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I'm I'm seeing a lot of moves that are, like, at best. Like, if you're just squinting your eye and, like, being the most optimistic you can be, at best, these are lateral moves. Um, And, like, one I saw was... Oh, if uh, the Nets will give up Rondé Hollis Jefferson, if the Nets will give up Rondé Hollis Jefferson, this is a team that went to go tried to go pay Alan Crabb eighteen million a year. Alan Crabb, I know he can shoot threes really well, and I like him. He has high upside. I, I still think, but he's the same age as Clarkson, and he's currently scoring much less. Yeah. Okay, so and uh, you know, and just overall on both ends, playing arguably worse. So. It's not a stretch to think Brooklyn would still want a young guard. And Rondé Hollis Jefferson has not done anything except shown that he can't shoot threes as a small forward in the NBA. So I understand Rondé Hollis Jefferson plays defense. He's a strong, you know, wing and teams like to stockpile those types of guys. But you don't just go trade Jordan Clarkson because that's what we see on a nightly basis and we know how to pick out all his deficiencies. God help us when Rondé Hollis Jefferson comes to this team and we have to watch him for 82 games. Oh my God, people are going to be calling for like the front office's head and they're going to be like, seriously, how did we go from Jordan Clarkson to this? So I think the, uh, the, the motto that needs to be preached with Clarkson is patience. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I'll maybe consider the Rondé Hollis Jefferson thing if he brings back the shoulder shimmy exactly on the free throw shimmy. line. Yeah. Then we can talk about it, and it'll be more of a high upside move because of that. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll leave the that talk right there, and we're going to end our show with uh, 
Together, we can make your blonde blonde. Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection by John Frieda lightens and brightens hair two full shades to give you your best blonde every day. Hair Talks. Make your statement with Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection only from John Frieda. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Oh man, this is the most scary part. This is going to be like a doomsday scenario ending here. Uh, we're going to be talking about Magic Johnson and his dominion, oh. his tight grasp. And we thought this would come a little later at least, but no, it's it's happening now and we're feeling the crunch. You know, just last week, I keep I feel like I keep saying that phrase, just last week we said this, but here right. we go. Just last week, Magic said, I am just here as an, in an advisory role. I will do whatever Mitch and Jim want me to do, as little as they want, as much as they want. Yeah. And here we are a week later. He's going on all these talk shows telling them, yeah, you know, I'm pretty much ready to take the top spot and call all the shots and make these decisions. And yeah, we need to get back to winning ways, championships, showtime. And, you know, the first call I make when I'm the head honcho is I'm going to call Kobe Bryant. I'm just like, what, what is going what is on happening? right now? Like, what is life? Are we in bizarro land? Like, what do you yeah. mean Kobe Bryant? Like, what's Kobe Bryant going to do? And he's just like, Kobe's smart. He knows how to win. It's like a country club, like a rich boy's it's country so club. It's so ridiculous. It's like, does it make any sense? I thought sense. we got rid of Byron Scott, by the way. No, we didn't. We put him in the front office position all of a sudden. Like, holy crap. I have no idea what's going on. But, like, the more I think about it, the more depressed I become. And I just have to compartmentalize stuff again with this team and be like, okay, uh, Brandon Ingram, Luke Walton. If I think about the larger picture, I'm, like, scared for my life. So what do you think about all of a sudden Magic Johns is about, about face um, him just taking control all of a sudden, being a lot more adamant about his role and what he wants to do to the point where on the radio today, John Ireland said, Magic has the final decision maker job and Jim and Mitch are interviewing to keep their jobs. If this is true, what what the heck is going on here? I don't know if that's true or not, but John Ireland pretty much said this is what's going to happen or this is what's happening right now. And, you know, our first podcast episode on this topic, we kept things pretty even keel, very level-headed, even though we yeah. know Magic Johnson's purred happily ways. <laughs> but I think even we gave him too much credit and gave him too much of the benefit of the doubt. So here we are, Tommy. How are you feeling about all this? Oh, I'm feeling horrible about this. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I, I think you're right that we gave him a lot of the benefit of the doubt, but this was the undertone, right? Like, no, why sure. did we have to? Why did we have to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Because all of us, some at some point in our in the back of our minds, kind of thought these things might happen, and we were really praying that they would not happen. And here we are. Uh, Magic Johnson came and he gave his whole spiel about like. Oh, I'm just going to be as involved as they want me to be, but like I don't I don't need to be involved if they want me to step away, I can be in the room. You know, during free agency pitches, but if they want me to step away, I'll step away. If they want me in, I'll come in. Like I could do anything. And then in a matter of one week, being on the interview uh, circuit and listening to Stephen A. Smith just like completely kiss his oh, butt. <laughs> He's 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 gone from that stance to I want to be the final decision maker calling all the shots of the team. Okay, this is completely, completely ridiculous. And if I'm, you know, all Laker fans out there, because I know I'm I feel like this, I would be completely terrified. This is a guy who has no, you know, he's not shown that he he's like three generations removed from this current generation. Yeah. Okay. The NBA has changed so much in the time that he's been away from it that you can't even like you you can't even say how much has changed. It's like it's a completely different game. He's shown nothing to suggest that he has adapted. He's adapted his mindset. He's adapted the way he assesses talent. He's done nothing to demonstrate really that he understands how to assess talent. Um, he makes a lot of bold statements, and I think in his head he thinks he really knows what he's talking about, but. 
I, honestly, as much as I rag on Mitch and Jim, at least those guys have like been tracking all of this talent and they've been in the midst of this new wave of the NBA, you know, for the past several years. I just on so many love on so many levels, this Magic Johnson thing just is making me more and more scared as the days go on. And honestly, the only lingering fear I have about not being able to make a trade at the deadline is if if Magic is actually as involved as John I Jess, if this is a guy who knows he's about to take over this team and he has that much power in in the front office already, is he going to do anything slash are Mitch and Jim going to do anything knowing that they're pretty much out of jobs you know, right now? Like, are they going to care? Like, are they going to yeah. be that much more motivated to make a move? Is Magic Johnson going to be that much, you know, is that motivated to like make a rash decision right now when he just stepped into this role like a week ago? Like, it's so weird on so many levels and Jeannie Buss's silence throughout this whole process is like, frankly, ridiculous. Like she brought this scenario into the world and then just fell off the face of the planet. You know, you can't do something like that. You're the owner of the team. You can't just be like, Oh, like midway through this season where we've already won more games than we won last year. I'm just going to drop this bombshell on everybody and then walk away and like not explain what is our vision. Like while the entire Lakers nation is just like, like so perplexed about what's going on and just be like, okay, bye, I'm gone. You know, when you said brought this scenario into the world, I, for some reason I pictured brought this demon child into the world. Like, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, in Game of Thrones, when Melisandre has that demon child and nobody knows what that was all about. It's <laughs> kind of like that. Here it is, Magic Johnson, this yeah. terrifying scenario, and you guys just deal with it. I have no idea how it fits into the storyline, but there you go. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so, yes, all I have to say is uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, our worst case scenario has happened. And you're right. It's a confluence of so many things happening all at once at probably the most important time for the Lakers with regards to this weekend and this next week being the trade deadline time. So for all of these random things to be clashing together and happening all at once, it's probably the worst timing ever. You know, with the team struggling the way they are, the guys look checked out. Luke Walton's like, I don't know what to do with this team. Luke Walton's saying stuff like, I'm going to meet with Mitch and Magic over the weekend to talk about what? You guys should be talking about, are you guys going to talk about trades or what's going to go on? You know, it's so confusing right now that it it's a cluster F, if you know what I'm saying. That's I mean, the only like, way to talk. Yeah, It is frustrating because, look, I'm not, I don't, I'm not the type of person to take what everybody says at face value. Like if Luke says like, oh, we're going to meet and like talk about the direction of the franchise. It's like people say stuff vaguely all the time for a variety of reasons. Okay, like we've seen it firsthand. Well, you'll hear Luke say something like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sort of be involved in the draft. But it's really Mitch and Jim's call. And then like three weeks later on Backstage Lakers, you see that Luke has been meeting with these guys to go over all the prospects and like was watching <laughs> film with them and was in there and was like helping them make the decision. Like he was much more involved than he led everyone to believe. Right. Yeah. So it, it, I, people have different reasons for saying things. So I, I don't know. I'm, you know, maybe all of this is being blown out of proportion, but I don't know. I'm definitely nervous about it for now. And um, yeah, I just, I don't even know what to say. I, 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 <laughs> It's like you think you're taking so many steps in the right direction and then Jeannie Bosch just comes and pulls something like this. And if the answer that she thinks is going to, you know, I, I think I mentioned this last time, but there were some rumors that over the summer Jeannie reached out to Pat Riley and Jeannie reached out to Jerry West and both of them declined. At first, I sort of thought that she was reaching out to both of them in like sort of a different role than she was ultimately envisioning for Magic. And now I'm starting starting to think that that's this was what she this was her third option. Oh god. She was like I struck out on Pat Riley who's built so many championship teams. <laughs> I've struck out on Jerry West who's built so many championship teams. So my third option is Magic Johnson. It's yeah. so ridiculous. Like I think once it became clear that Phil is just out of the picture it's like, you know, it, I don't know if it's that much of a coincidence that like within a month or, you know, two months of her and Phil, like just calling it off, 
Magic Johnson is just next in line to take the job. And I right. think that like, you know, that like when you think about it like that, it almost makes me a little bit more nervous because if she's hiring Magic Johnson to fill the same role that she actually envisioned Jerry West or Pat Riley filling, what are we in for here? Because if Magic Johnson is a Jerry West of this team, we are completely screwed. I'll tell you that right now. Dude, that's like uh, if you're starting a news station and your first option was going to Rob Fukazaki from ABC yeah. and you you misfire on that. So you're like, all right, Perd Happily, you're up. It's like, what the heck <laughs> you're next is going on the on? list? <laughs> like, it's like, how do you equate those two with each other? But Yeah, and it's just it's frustrating on so many levels, right? Because we theoretically we all thought there was this plan internal plan in place where like we're going to build up ryan west into ultimately taking over that role so i don't know again i don't know what the plan is i think the plan is actually for magic to replace jim which is fine because that assumes that you know presumes that there's a, a gm also in the front office okay but then who's the gm who's going to come in there and like if magic has who has the final say between those two like with Mitch and Jim, you sort of got the sense that like, okay, at least there's no drama because Jim has the final say, right? Like he's definitely going to listen to Mitch and it seems like he trusts Mitch, but Mitch is not going to be able to just run amok. Like Magic Johnson could potentially run amok. You yeah. know what I mean? He's now the final say. So who is the, you know, GM that you're going to bring in? You're going to bring in Ryan West. You think of Magic Johnson? is going to listen to like this, how old is Ryan West? 40? Like he's very young. Um, you think Magic Johnson's going to listen to Ryan West who like has no experience as a GM and is he never played in the NBA. So he clearly doesn't know about winning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, I don't know if it's magic and like two other guys to drown him out a little bit. I'm not that worried still, despite what magic says, if it's magic and one other guy and magic is takes over Jim boss's current role. I'm a, a lot more nervous. Yeah. So these are tumultuous times in Lakers land. Uh, thank God for this weekend. Hopefully we can just have some fun, hear some fun rumors and something good happens. But with all this swirling around, everybody buckle up. Um, that's all I can say. <laughs> um, let's end this on a positive note because, I mean, we talked about Magic recruiting Kobe Bryant. Hopefully he's not recruiting him for the GM role. But what Kobe Bryant could do for this team is hopefully lend a helping hand to the young guys in mentoring them on the court, in practice, etc., etc. So we'll end on this nice, happy note. Tommy, what do you think about Kobe Bryant reaching out to Brandon Ingram and pretty much texting him, yo, young buck, you ready to strap up or something like that? Hit me up whenever you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. You know, Kobe is a crazy guy, but I think Kobe is like real firm evidence that like you can be blessed with all the, you know, talent in the world. But if you're not willing to go to psychotic lengths, and maybe you don't even have to go to the lengths Kobe went to because Kobe obviously ended up becoming like one of the best players of all time. But he's just a really good role model for this whole concept of you. If you want to maximize your talent, you better be ready to like push yourself to the limit, you know, like the maximum you can take, you know, because Kobe was a number 13 overall pick in 1996 um, his first year in the NBA at age 18, he averaged 7.6 points a game. You know, he only played 16 minutes a game. He shot 42% from the field. Even his second year when he was like a legit bench player, like he was our sixth man. He was a sixth man of the year candidate, averaged 15 points a game, 26 minutes a game, played every game that year. He only shot 42% from the field. Did anybody think like at that time Kobe Bryant was going to be the best player in the NBA like for a, a stretch of 10 years basically? Like I don't think anybody, even like the most optimistic Laker fans probably didn't think that. Um so Kobe reaching out to Brandon Ingram I think says a lot. Like Kobe is obviously very close with Coach K who coached Brandon Ingram at Duke. Kobe I'm sure has his ear, you know, in the organization like Luke has alluded to I text Kobe from time to time to talk to him about things or you know god knows maybe they've spoken on the phone maybe they've met in person you know I don't know but uh I'm sure Kobe has now gotten wind of this idea that Brandon Ingram is an extremely hard worker I think 
all these articles we've read about how Brandon Ingram just spends like all of his waking hours in the gym and that's just what he's been like his entire life. Uh, Kobe probably like heard all this and was intrigued, you know, and it's like, okay, you got to go let the kid at some level. First of all, Kobe just retired. So I'm not saying he should have been in there like three months later working out with these kids, but it's like, okay, go let the young guy, you know, get his, his, uh, his legs under him. And, um, and then see where he's at and then I'll step in and see where I can help. And I think if Kobe can work with Brandon Ingram, I just think it might be exponential growth. Like obviously there are some serious deficiencies where we just know that Ingram has to bulk up. For example, that's the big one. But if Kobe can show this guy how to just be a more effective scorer and use the tools that he has and just teach him those tips that he has, Ingram is such a hard worker and Ingram has such a high IQ that I think he can absorb all of that. And it's just going to project him like way out ahead of everybody else. So I'm really excited about the idea of Kobe working together with Ingram. And I think it's interesting that Kobe played like a year with D'Angelo and you never hear like talks about that because, you know, Kobe, I think knows, look, there are some guys who are just good and they don't need to train Kobe Bryant levels. And, you know, they're fine with just being really good, but not being like, indestructible force in the NBA for a period of 10 years. You know, some guys are just fine with that. And some guys are, have that little like tick, you know what I mean? That Kobe can probably sense like, okay, this guy is not just good. This guy is willing to put in the work to take all of the, you know, inherent physical attributes he has and all of the skill he has and all the IQ he has and push himself to that next level of like all time great basketball players. And I think Kobe can sense that in Brandon Ingram, not to say that the other guys don't have it necessarily, but I think he could definitely sense that in Ingram. And I think that's why he reached out to him. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how this pans out. Yeah. And it's funny because Ingram upon getting the text was like, I didn't even believe that was Kobe. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, all good things. We'll end it right there. Tommy, what do you think about the all-star weekend this weekend? What are you most excited about? Uh, Who do you think is going to win the dunk contest? I think it's between Derek Jones Jr. And Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I'm going to say Derek Jones Jr. just yep. because he's more of a sleeper. Uh, Aaron Gordon, it's like he pulled out some ridiculous dunks next last year. And I don't know, he's becoming more of a veteran. He's been playing a little bit more, I feel like, this year. So I, I, I feel like he can't dedicate as much time to thinking of creative dunks anymore. Yeah, so if you want the highest value bet, if you're a betting man, put your money on Derek Jones Jr. to potentially pull the upset there. Uh, what about three-point contests? Obviously, Swaggy P is going to be uh, competing. We've got Eric Gordon, Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, Wes Matthews, CJ McCollum, Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, Nick Young. It's so I think tough. Yeah, I mean, the, the scary thing is any of these guys could really win, but... um. I think Clay Thompson is my favorite. I don't think that Swaggy's going to like embarrass himself though. You know what I mean? It's like for all the crap we give Swaggy and like his weird personality and like he never takes anything seriously. This guy is like top 10 in the NBA and three pointers made. And of the guys who are top 10 in the NBA three pointers made, he's like second in percentage behind Clay Thompson. Yeah. So he's like shooting better than Steph Curry this year. I mean, obviously Steph takes like way more threes, but uh, like I said, of the guys in that top 10 range, Swaggy is among the best. So he's having like a arguably historically good season. You know what I mean? Three point shooting wise. So he's, I don't think he's going to embarrass himself. He's obviously supremely confident and I think he's going to make a good showing. I just don't think he has enough to win. I think he should bring Jordan Clarkson out to defend him and just like flash at him and run at him so that he'll yeah. hit more, more three-pointers. So yeah, that yeah, might be the best guessing. strategy. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like curious to see what he does. Like, is he going to is he gonna do something? Is he going to try to bring like like some weird theatrics to the three-point contest like there is in the slam dunk contest? I'm just so confused by this. That, yeah, that would be very interesting. He like wears like a tuxedo or something. I, I don't know. Any, anything could happen with Uncle P. I think that's the other interesting about thing about this weekend. What Jordan Clarkson, Uncle P, Russell Westbrook, and all these other guys are going to wear. And it's in New Orleans too, so you know it's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. Yeah. So I hope everybody has fun. I uh, hope you enjoyed our show. Once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, I don't know, that's how many money balls Nick Young will hit. And if he wins this contest, 
Oh my gosh. Him and Clarkson, can you imagine the celebrations that we'll see? They're going to probably. No, here you go. Rate interview us because the more you rate interview us, that's how many different celebrations Clarkson and Swaggy P will pull off in succession once once Swaggy P wins the three point contest. Do you think Clarkson is going to New Orleans? Like, even though he's not part of any of the events, like. Do you think he's going to just, like, hang out? Yes, like, 100%. He's <laughs> going to be Nick Young's, like, hype man, dude. Like, <laughs> I, totally. And also because uh, Ingram and D'Angelo are going to be there. I mean, that's the biggest thing, too, right? Yeah. I think the Rising Stars thing is tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. I believe. Yeah, so hopefully Ingram and D'Angelo have some fun. Hopefully they ball out, gain some added chemistry, and just forget about the crappy play they've been having the last week or so. So... Hope everybody enjoys their All-Star Weekend. We will catch you guys when a big trade breaks out. Yeah, we will be on our toes. Is that the phrase? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. Peace. to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.